Good morning, Outlook family. Sure is good to see everyone this morning. I hope you're having a great time so far. I'm really looking in, looking forward to jumping into God's Word with everyone. But before we do that, I want to uh, just reinforce one of the things you saw in the announcement video uh, a second ago and talk about uh, the next series that we're going to be launching into in March and a spe- this special prayer service event that I hope you'll mark your calendar for. We're going to be looking at the prayers of Jesus and uh, what Jesus teaches us by His own prayers and the fact that Jesus prayed and and what we can learn from that. We're going to be beginning this whole time together on March 5th and that that evening with a prayer service from 6 to 7. It's going to be, I hope, a really reflective time, some guided prayer like you heard Amy say, some silence, perhaps even some new ways to pray. And, And I think it's the kind of thing that we all could use a little bit more of, right? Carve out some time to just tune everything else out for a little bit, and then with our brothers and sisters in Christ, tune into, dial into our relationship with God. Now, the one thing I do want you to know about this service, because you might be thinking, ooh, I don't know, prayer service, I'm not too, I don't know if I want to pray out loud, or will I be asked to do something? And so I just want you to know, we're crafting this in such a way that at no point in the hour that we'll be together, will you be asked to pray in front of others, or in any other way be singled out or to come up with your own kind of out loud prayer. It's going to be a guided time where it's going to be about you and God and focusing on that relationship. So if this kind of thing might be a little bit new to you, this would be just the the, the thing to come to. You'll get a lot out of it. It'll be a really sweet time. And so I just want to invite you to really consider that. I'm personally really looking forward to it. So I hope, uh, and I hope to see you, see you there. There's a, if you're in our Outlook Facebook family, uh, you can RSVP. There's an event there as well. You don't have to, but you can if you'd like to. Uh, and yeah, hopefully you'll just leave refreshed. It'll be a really, really good time. Well, this morning we are continuing this latest iteration of our Live Free series. In this recurring series, we're exploring the intersection between our mental health and well-being and our spiritual life and discipleship to Jesus. We're discovering there's lots of truth that these have in common, and we're applying these truths from a biblical, holistic perspective. Last week, I mentioned a new webpage that we've launched. It's outlookchurch.org slash mental health. And if you're chatting with someone, neighbor, family member, coworker, friend, you name it, and this subject of mental health comes up, you can know that you can, that you can refer them to a place that your church talks freely about this subject and that there's a lot of things uh, about this subject that your faith speaks to in a very real and thoughtful way. And uh, if this would in any way be a useful tool for you to refer people to, we just want to make sure that you are aware that it is out there, outlookchurch.org slash mental health. Now, in these particular four weeks that we've been in in February, we're exploring the best practices and approaches for fostering solid, steady mental and emotional health. The truth of the scriptures uncovers ideas and habits that uh, can keep us unhealthy, and it shows us patterns and perspectives that have proven to be life-giving. We've been talking about things like acceptance, rest, and contentment. Next week, we'll talk about taking care of ourselves of, of ourselves and others. And today, we're exploring the subject of setting boundaries and forming habits. A lot of sanity and stability can come to our lives when we implement this practice of boundaries and habits. 
They both have something to do with what we say yes to and what we say no to and how we do that wisely and consistently. So much of mental and emotional health, so much of life really, right, is learning what deserves our yes and what deserves our no. Gaining some wisdom and insight and getting better and more practiced at these two practices of boundaries and habits can spare us a ton of stress and heartache and dysfunction and anxiety and on and on. Now, we're only going to be able to take a brief look at these in in our uh, short time this morning, but they are worth touching on in this series, and perhaps it'll pique your interest to explore the subjects even more. So let's start by talking about boundaries, what they are and how we set them. Henry Cloud and John Townsend wrote a book that's become a bestseller over the last few decades called Boundaries, and it is a super useful tool when it comes to this subject. And here's what we can learn from them. Boundaries, they write, define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins. Problems arise when boundaries are confused. We are to love one another, but not be one another, right? I can't feel your feelings for you. I can't think for you. I can't behave for you. Boundaries remind us of that. Boundaries show us, as they put it, where I end and others begin. That sounds easy enough, right? (laughs) But as we just read, boundaries can get confused. And that's where a lot of problems begin. The wisdom of what we call boundaries is not a modern invention. Let's walk through a passage that is full of this particular insight. We'll be in Galatians chapter 6. Paul writes to these Galatian Christians, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Now, that's a boundary. I need you to help me when I'm caught in the trap of my sin, right? That's what we see here. But you need to pay attention to not getting stuck or harmed by that same trap. That's a boundary. You recognize I can't help you out of a hole by getting in the hole with you, right? And so there's a boundary there. You begin to, there was wisdom there. Compassion and care might think, I just need to dive in, uh, uh, but I could find myself just as trapped in that temptation as you are now. Or we both kind of wallow in that mess of depression or, or anxiety, or we get ourselves wound up in ways that now we're just both uh, experiencing uh, tough stuff. Whereas uh, no help now is being offered. Now we both need rescue, right? But boundaries can help us see where I end and you begin and how we can best care for each other. That's a boundary. But the passage goes on. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. In other words, don't tell yourself that you shouldn't care for others. So now we're getting some advice about not drawing a false boundary that separates me from other people. Boundaries, as we're using this term and exploring this subject, are not walls that are keeping others out or cutting us off, but they are borders, useful outlines of where I end and you begin. Verse 4, it keeps going. Each one should test their own actions. Again, a boundary. Then they can take pride in themselves alone don't com- without comparing themselves to someone else. A boundary for each one should carry their own load. 
Now here's an interesting principle. The word here for load means cargo and speaks of our own day-to-day life responsibilities. The load that I carry each day, the responsibilities of my life. Even though we are to carry each other's burdens, we read earlier, a word that means extra weight, right? We all go through times in which we are burdened. We, ha- we carry some extra weight. We're going through a season, a trial. Something's happened in our lives. We could use a hand. We carry each other's burdens. It's not the same word, though, as load. We are not to take responsibility for each other's lives. We are responsible for ourselves and to others. And it might seem at first to be a subtle difference, but it's a really important one. And you'll start to feel it if you begin to carry the load of another. If you begin to step into someone's life in such a way that now you've crossed a healthy boundary. And the, the lines between you and someone else have really started to blur. And you're living their life. You're feeling their feelings. You're taking on things that should be theirs to take on then you'll begin to see the wisdom of this passage. I care about your life, but it's yours to live and not mine to live. The passage goes on. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, their own base and fleshly appetites, their own sinful appetites, from that flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Again, another boundary. Everyone in our lives is making their own decisions, the consequences of which may even greatly affect us. But our ability to influence them is limited, and our ability to control them is an illusion. Let's think about that for a second, right? Sometimes we can walk around with some blurry boundaries that make us feel as though we can begin to guide and make decisions for other people. Help help them. It's one thing to give advice when it's solicited, right? It's another thing to think that you can convince someone to make new life choices, ones you think would be better, and maybe you're absolutely right. Begin to kid yourself that they aren't in the end going to choose what they are going to choose. Even God and all of his power gives you and I free will. And if he allows us to have that free will, we're going to have to realize that everyone else has it too, and we can't, we can't do anything about it. So there's a boundary there that when we begin to respect that boundary, it keeps us sane. Now this is a broad and deep subject, and we're really just introducing it here, is something to add to your mental and emotional health best practices. But let me share a few more thoughts. Object lessons and visuals help me. So here are a couple, and I brought a prop for this one. My very first position here at the church was as youth sports outreach director. Uh, And so one of my weekly tasks during flag football season was to measure, lay out, and paint the lines, and that's what this is, a can of paint there to paint the lines and turn our churchyard into a football field. This is over at our previous campus. And then every Saturday morning, repaint those lines. That was job number one each Saturday morning of the season. Now, I was, of course, paint, uh, setting boundaries, right? When I took this along the outside lines of the field and where the end zone is and where midfield is and on and on, I was setting boundaries. Imagine playing the game without such boundaries, right? What would you even do? It wouldn't make 
any sense. Now, in our relationships, we have to learn to do the same. Again, and this is a good illustration because boundaries are not walls, but they are borders that help us to see where things are in play and where things are out of bounds, right? Here are just a few, uh, just a handful of examples of these kinds of boundaries. Lovingly letting our adult parents know they need to call or text before coming over to see if now is a good time. Setting an expectation with our coworkers that a lack of planning on their part does not constitute a crisis of action on your part, right? Deciding to limit our kids' activities in order to ensure that our family has time and space to be together, to go to church, to make memories. A boundary. Helping our friend as they go through a serious medical challenge without letting ourselves absorb all of the issues of their troubled marriage or trying to solve all of their parenting problems. Not volunteering for every extracurricular ask at your kid's school or even over-volunteering at church. That's just a quick handful of what we mean when we say boundaries. Decisions that we can make that will keep things in bounds in a healthy and balanced way. Now, there are several things that can make this difficult for us, any of us. Here are just a couple quick ones. Trauma, for instance, can rob us of good boundaries. If you see someone who's operating with some really poor boundaries, one of the first questions you might want to ask, if, the, if you know them well enough to ask it, is not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you? Because our, when our boundaries, our own personal boundaries, physically, sexually, emotionally, you name it, have been disregarded or violated, then we'll have trouble knowing where boundaries are. That becomes a, a handicap for someone. They're, they're a little uh, unsure as to what a boundary is or what it looks like and certainly where they should be placed because that's not, the opposite has been, it's kind of been stripped from them. Now we may, all, we may have a personality, for instance, this would be a second example. We may have a personality that just wants to keep the peace. And so we fall into people-pleasing. Anyone ever fallen into that, right? You end up saying yes to everything and burning out. And then that one time you say no to even one thing, you feel terribly guilty. That's also a lack of healthy boundaries. Now, we've all been there. We've all, at one point in our life or another, this is, this is definitely a skill you begin to learn as you navigate Life And you can learn it well, or you can kind of just keep bumping around and ignoring it. My advice is to take a moment and really try to assess. What boundaries have I been setting in my life? Have I been proactively doing that? And is there anything that I'm currently experiencing in my life? Uh, kind of, am I reaping stress or anxiety in my relationships or in my own mental health in ways that could be somewhat fixed by setting some better Boundaries, learning what deserves our yes and what and where we should be saying no, and maybe to whom we should be saying no. And let's remember, no is a complete sentence, right? Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, sometimes you just need to be able to remember that no or no, thank you. That's fine, too. But no is a complete sentence. So setting boundaries not always easy, but so often essential if we're going to stay mentally and emotionally healthy. Now, more on uh, boundaries will come up in our, we're going to do a series this August on relationships. 
And uh, that's, that's easily going to come up again there. But here's one more visual when it comes to this subject. Uh, think about it like this, uh, two circles, one that says you and one that says me. So we have two individual people here, individual lives, each uniquely created by God. This, this is a visual that at least helps me when it's talking about boundaries. And here we have clear boundaries. That's me, this is you. We, we can operate together. We can support each other in love. This does no, in no way mean that it precludes a compassionate, loving relationship or even a great gospel partnership and, and all kinds of good things can happen with these kinds of healthy boundaries. Even people can get closer together and uh, become close friends or coworkers. Uh, that, that kind of thing can happen too. So the idea of boundaries does not necessarily mean distance, as if oh, I, don't, I shouldn't care too much about you, not at all. You can care immensely about another person and maintain boundaries. In fact, the more you care, the more you'll care about boundaries. Let's even talk about uniting in marriage, the idea that you could make a covenant that actually brings you two into one single relationship. And this fusion of marriage, for instance, the most fused relationship we have here on planet Earth, besides our one with the Lord, is sacred and beautiful. But, hear this, it is never intended to make you less you. Even in this kind of relationship, even in the most fused relationship of all, marriage. Now, I know we just celeb celebrated Valentine's Day, or at least some of you did, and all of that, right? But there's this sentiment out there in our world today that you complete me, right? Maybe you've heard this, or you can think of a few different movies that have used that line or, or whatever, and it feels great. The idea of telling our, our spouse, our special significant other, that I would be incomplete without you, you complete me. But I'm just here to tell you, nope. That is not a good idea. That is a poor paradigm for mental and emotional health. Only the Lord completes us because only He supplies what we lack. Now, it's a very nice notion, and I don't want you to think that I'm not a romantic person, because quite the contrary. However, I've seen a lot of trouble come into people's lives because they think that another human will complete them, right? And they really believe this, not as a sentiment, but as a truth of life. And it is not. When we look to anyone for completeness, even someone as special and important to us as our spouse, we are blurring boundaries that can't afford to be confused. So, boundaries help us know what to say yes to and what to say no to in our relationships. All kinds of relationships, at work, at home, in marriage, you name it. Now, let's talk a little bit about habits in the time we have left together. And they do the same when it comes to character. What to say yes to and what to say no to. Now, when it comes to habits, I, I saw this headline. I couldn't help but share it. Anyone remember Marie Kondo from a few years ago? Right? She had us all folding our laundry and thanking it for serving us before we said goodbye to it or whatever, right? <laughs> it's hilarious, right? You know, and... Um, well, I just read this. Even Marie Kondo admits she's kind of given up on tidying up after having three kids. So you're released from that, right? You're just you're released from any of that condemnation that came on to you because your house wasn't tidy. Some habits just aren't that helpful, right? Now, we're going to talk about habits here for just a, a few brief minutes. Habits uh, in the Bible are also called disciplines. 
They, they very much mean the same thing. Cultivating something good in us that, that creates and forms our character in a positive direction. Paul used athletic language to describe training ourselves in Holy Spirit-given self-control, a virtue that's seen throughout the Scriptures, self-control. Here's just a couple of examples. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So he ta- he's taking the idea of physical training and applying it to our spiritual lives. Train yourself in godliness. Train yourself in Christ-likeness. To the Corinthians, he wrote something similar. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to get a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. Both of them communicating the same thing, applying the principles of athletic training to the spiritual life and being disciplined in that. There's an acknowledgement throughout the scriptures that who we are is formed by what we habitually do, what we choose to do. So this is, this is majorly important. There's who we aspire to be, and there's who we actually are, correct? And who we actually are is only formed by what we habitually do, how we be, be, habitually behave, the choices we habitually make. Now, it's also reinforced in Scripture that bad habits, and they exist, we all have them, can ruin us. And bring a lot of pain to ourselves and others if, we, if they're left uncorrected. And that good habits can bring a lot of health and soundness of heart and mind. So again, as so much could be said on this, but some things this morning to just give us some handles on this idea of habits, develop, especially on the side of developing good ones. Because the best way to kick a bad, bad habit is certainly to make sure you're developing good ones, not just focusing on killing the bad ones. Now, I like to read about this kind of stuff, and two books from which I've learned the most about the science of habit formation are Atomic Habits by James Clear and The Power of Habit by Charles Dewey. Both these books talk about practices I easily see originating in the wisdom of the Holy Scriptures. Take, for instance... Jason didn't even know I was going to be focusing on this passage. But Hebrews 12, what he read for us earlier, which also uses athletic language. But three principles from these books that I've read show up easily in this passage. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Jesus followers and God lovers from the past as well as the present. And so the idea, if you want to form a good habit, you need to create an environment in which hurdles to that habit are removed so that progress can be made. Good habits are most readily formed in connection with like-minded others. You got something good you want to cultivate in your life, hang out with people who have that same goal, right? Who want to be that character, foster that character as well. In, In Atomic Habits, James Clear puts it like this, one of the most effective things you can do to build better habits is to join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. New habits seem achievable when you see others doing them every day. Your culture sets your expectation for what is normal. Surround yourself with people who have the habits you want to have yourself. You'll rise together. Sounds a lot like church, if you ask me, right? Putting yourself in a place where the desired outcome comes more easily and readily. 
like church, your small group, or celebrate recovery that meets here every Monday night. This is, these are all examples of hooking up with, linking arms with, getting, uh, partnering up with people who make Christ-likeness and growing in Jesus their goal. It's your goal too. Let's reach that goal. Let's rise together, as he puts it. Now back to the passage, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. This easily speaks to the idea, endurance is one of my favorite words when it comes to uh, life and certainly the life of faith. And when it comes to habits, maybe you've tried to cultivate a few new habits. We're still in February. We're only a few weeks into the new year. Steadiness, here's what I've learned. Steadiness means far more than what I would call epicness, right? Anyone have a real epic goal or big habit that you'd love to cultivate and you think, man, I'm going to do this and I'm going to eat this way or I'm going to read this many books or I'm going to... And because the size of the goal or the, or the depth of the habit change that you're trying to create is so vast that as soon as you begin to maybe not quite get there, it gets discouraging. But habit formation and the science of habit formation certainly makes it clear that the key is to start small and stay steady and begin to build on habits as you form them. Run with endurance. Take the long view of who you're becoming. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, it says, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. This is the third principle. I know I'm kind of, this is real quick, but this is just meant to be kind of an introduction to the topic. Third principle, very powerful, and that is root your habit in your identity and not just the outcome. If you think about it in terms of, let's say, uh, um, some people would have a, a goal to lose weight, form a habit of eating healthier or exercising. The identity might be, I'm a fit person who cares about their health so that I can serve God as long as I can here on this earth. That's a, that's a habit rooted in identity. Or I want to step on the scale and I want the number to be. That's a habit rooted in outcome. Habits rooted in outcome are really iffy, right? They're really hard to maintain. But habits rooted in identity. I want to be, uh, I want to read so many books this year. Okay, fine. But I want to become someone who enjoys reading because I love to learn. That's a whole different thing. And so when we fix our eyes on, when it comes to the habits of, of faith, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, he is who we are. We're his followers. Our primary identity is as disciples of Jesus. And when that becomes the primary driver of my, my actions is my identity in Christ, then habit forming becomes far less of a chore and far more of a joy because it's reinforcing my identity. Now, I know that was, those were three really quick things on habits, but I find them to be super useful and repeated throughout Scripture in different ways. I think they're grounded in the way the human soul is meant to work. So as we wrap up this morning, let's just, just, I'm just, I would encourage you to run a little diagnostic in your own mind this week and ask, am I setting any boundaries or actively forming any habits? In other words, am I on cruise control, just kind of letting life happen? And so when that happens, boundaries get crossed. I'm not always setting boundaries. I'm probably accidentally crossing them myself. I'm certainly letting, letting people cross them uh, as they're coming at me. Am I actively forming any habits or am I just kind of making it through the day? And believe me, no condemnation. We've all been there. But it'll start to show up in our mental and emotional health. 
Are there any good habits that I need to start to proactively realize, wait, I've been kind of cruising here, but that's not really working. I'm drifting. I need to start to establish one or two beginning habits again that are going to get me back into a rhythm that's going to be healthy. Because if I'm doing neither of those things in an active, intentional way, chances are good I'm letting in some chaos, some dysfunction, some lethargy, some apathy, you name it. So what am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? What am I tolerating that maybe I shouldn't? And am I cultivating the things that I should? I think these are the kinds of questions that any of us can do well to ask. And I encourage you to ask yourself those questions throughout this next week and just see where your answers might lead you. And I want to also say we are always here to help with that. You ever want to have a pastoral conversation about anything like this? We'd love to sit down and just be able to chat and pray because that's exactly what we're here for. We're here for you. So this is a subject that I think touches all of us, boundaries and habits. It's a good refresher uh, for all of us. And I want to wrap up our time together by asking you to grab your communion here because uh, we, we always take a moment each Sunday to, to kind of contemplate what we've been hearing from the scriptures and reminding ourselves of just how deep these truths are by remembering what Jesus has done for us. In that passage we just read, we were told that we should fix our eyes on Jesus. And I can't think of a moment throughout the week that I, my eyes are more fixed, the eyes of my soul are more fixed on my Savior than this moment right here. As we take the bread, as he asked, and remember that he let his body be broken for us. Let's take and eat together. Every week as we take the cup, we say, we are, ident we are reminding ourselves of our identity. This is who we are. Above and before all else, we are forgiven people, loved people, people for whom Christ died. That's me. That's you. Let's take and drink together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the powerful truth of the scriptures that we just read here today. The thought, Lord, that your wisdom really transcends um, and, and precedes any of the, the behavioral science and um, psychological study that can be so useful in our world, uh, your wisdom is underneath and behind all of that. Anything that's good from that, anything that's actually true in those fields, we know that by following you, Jesus, we'll, we'll find ourselves living out if we're thoughtful about it. And so, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, give us that ability to, to be thoughtful about it, to be intentional about it, and guide us. Uh, Lord, if there are boundaries that we need to set or reset in the days ahead, give us the wisdom to see those and the courage to, to do that. If there are habits that we see we've lapsed and we need to form, um, give us the self-control and the diligence to do that. We rely on you. None of this happens under our own power. Uh, not at all. But we have your power readily available. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>